Welcome back to episode 39 of Lifelong. I'm your host, Heidi Kumjan. Thank you for being here. If you're not doing so already, now is the time to follow us on Instagram at Holistic with Heidi and at Lifelong underscore pod. I am saying that because a lot of inspiration comes from the fabulous interviews that I put on on the show. And a couple episodes back, I brought on Kasha and Brittany of FAIR, and they were telling me about this amazing local grocer that's essentially like a farm stand, and it's not too far from where I live. So I popped over there today, and I documented it on my stories. So It's just another way for you all to stay informed and also get access to more fun content relating to the podcast. So definitely do that. I also dropped in a Q&A in there this morning because I wanted to offer the opportunity for all of you to drop questions in for me to answer live. And thank you to everyone that submitted I'm going to get to some of those at the end of the episode, so be sure to stick around till the end of the episode to hear if your question got answered. And don't be afraid to send me a message if you have other questions that pop up, but I do like to do these live Q&As every now and then, so I'll for sure do another one in the future. So today, it's a solo episode. You've got me, myself, and I, and I decided that I wanted to talk about another big and controversial controversial subject, that's a mouthful for some reason, and that is metabolic health and obesity and obesogens, and oy vey, is it a big topic, but I figured from what I have been researching about obesogens and the fact that this is really a new thing in the world of science. This is really coming out of journals from endocrinology in 2020, and it is an emerging science that, and hypothesis rather, which I'll get into in a few minutes, that is so prevalent. So I'll spend the bulk of the episode discussing that, and then, like I said, I'll be diving into that Q&A at the end of the episode, and with that, join me in welcoming me. (laughs) All right, guys, let's get started. Metabolic health seems to be taking center stage in the world of holistic health. I don't know about you, but everywhere I am looking, I'm seeing people talk about the importance of metabolic health and balancing blood sugar and seeing all these different people putting on CGMs or continuous glucose monitors. I mean, from influencers to hearing about it on other podcasts to even people in my personal life, blood sugar balancing is all the rage and metabolic health is all the rage. Like, I'm super excited to be seeing this at the center of the conversation because it's just so relevant to the world we live in. And the fact is, we do live in a society where junk food, sugars are kind of at the the center of a lot of people's nutrition. But that being said, you can be a healthy individual who could still benefit from 
balancing their blood sugar. And I would like to use myself as an example. Although I'm someone who doesn't really like sweets that much, I have been learning more. And remember, my training is in holistic nutrition, but there is always more to learn. And I've just been learning more and more about the importance of metabolic health and especially in the morning and kind of tying that into hormonal health as well. So just I'm going to share my personal anecdote and then we'll get a little bit deeper into this kind of obesity crisis and obesogens. But anyways, so I like to consider myself a healthy individual. I've overcome, oh oh my gosh, a lot of different symptoms and illnesses most widely shared about that I, the thing I've shared about the most is my journey with mycotoxin illness and overcoming that. And anyways, now I do consider myself to be healthy, but you know, there's always fine tuning. So I was noticing that my energy levels were kind of dipping towards the end of the day and focusing was harder. And sometimes I felt just a little irritable and was very prone to hanger. So I started looking a bit more into blood sugar balancing and really evaluating what I was consuming, especially in the morning. Although I'm not someone who likes sweet breakfasts or anything like that, I do struggle with breakfast because I don't eat eggs. I have a histamine reaction to them. And I have been dairy-free until recently, bringing back raw dairy, which I'll touch on that in a second. So finding kind of these blood sugar balancing protein-forward breakfasts has always been a little bit of a struggle for me. Upon my research and realizing how important it is to have a blood sugar balancing meal, especially in the morning, I started paying so much more attention to that. And I am grateful to have brought raw dairy back into my diet in the form of raw hard cheeses. So sometimes in the morning, honestly, I'll have a rice cake with some avocado and then a side of a few slices of raw cheese. Or if I do a smoothie, I make sure to include protein powder in it, only a protein powder that's super clean, of course. I like Sprout Living. Or if I'm doing a fruity smoothie, I just make sure to pair it with a protein, like a turkey bacon or a chicken sausage or a couple slices of cheese. And I know it might sound like a weird breakfast, but it really just has been making such a difference in how I feel throughout the day, especially just with my mood and energy and everything like that. And it benefits your hormones. So I am a big fan for blood sugar balancing meals. There's a lot of different ways to do it. There's the glucose goddess. I believe that's her name on Instagram. She has a lot of different hacks. Also, my friend Maddie Miles, who's been on the podcast twice, she always is sharing tips for blood sugar balancing on her Instagram. And then another resource that I love is Organic Olivia. She also has been sharing her story with her metabolic health. And I know she has even lost some weight and gotten really in shape and things like that. And I personally 
I'm not doing this for any weight loss reason or anything like that. In fact, I'm eating more, which is kind of funny, but I have food freedom and I'm really grateful that I have a good relationship with food. But all in all, it doesn't always have to be about weight loss. In fact, I think weight loss is just a secondary benefit of healthy living. But going off on a little bit of a tangent here, I just wanted to, I guess, emphasize how prevalent metabolic health blood sugar balancing is. And I thought I could now go into some obesity statistics because metabolic health, of course, goes hand in hand with obesity. Even though there's a spectrum, like I said, healthy people can be focused on their blood sugar balancing and even people with obesity or conditions from obesity can also be focused on blood sugar balancing. Like everyone is going to benefit. So there are a lot of different hypotheses or reasons why obesity is increasingly so prevalent and why we're at epidemic levels. It is, it's truly sad and there are truly a lot of different causes. And hey, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in that line of work by any means. So I'm just kind of sharing the research I've done, kind of the facts that I've extrapolated, and I'm all for everyone, you know, forming their own opinion on this. But I did want to talk a bit about the obesogen hypothesis. And I know this is a very sensitive subject, so I intend to proceed with grace and acceptance for all. I know everyone's situation is unique and this is a tricky subject to talk about. It's sensitive. I know that there is a link between trauma and obesity and it it's really deep. And I just want to emphasize that I sympathize with everyone and I sympathize with anyone who maybe is obese or on the verge of being obese or anyone that's just really struggling in that area because I know that there are a lot of people out there that like to judge and shame and things like that. And that is not my intention. That would never be my intention. I am here to be a resource for holistic health, non-toxic living, And again, these are the facts that I have researched. And yeah, I just, again, want to emphasize that I support you and I'm not judging. And I know this can be a very judgy subject, so it's it's a hard one to even talk about, but I did want to put that disclaimer out there. I also have to say that the increasing prevalence of obesity and the rate that it is growing just makes me sad. It just makes me sad. And if I can do my part and share some information about it and maybe help a handful of people, then great. I've done my job. So let me read an excerpt from the incredible article titled Obesogens, Assessing the Evidence Linking Chemicals in Food to Obesity by the Center for Science in the Public Interest. It reads, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 73% of adults and 35% of children and adolescents 
had overweight or obesity in the United States between 2017 and 2018, compared to 56% of adults and 23% of children between 1988 and 1994, and 15% of children between 1971 through 1974. Adult obesity prevalence was 42.5 in 2017 through 2017 and up from 39.8% in 2015 to 2016. Globally, the worldwide prevalence of obesity nearly tripled between 1975 and 2016. And the prevalence of overweight and obesity among children and adolescents aged 5 to 19 increased more than fourfold during that one time period, from 4% to 18%, according to the WHO or the World Health Organization. Though these rates are lower than the U.S. rates, there are now more people who have obesity than underweight, and this occurs in every region except parts of the sub-Saharan Africa and Asia. And overweight and obesity are linked to more deaths worldwide than underweight, according to the WHO. Excess weight is a risk factor for several chronic diseases and conditions such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and some cancers. And every five-unit increase in body mass index is associated with a 30% increase in all-cause mortality. Among adults, the excess annual medical costs of obesity were estimated to be $1,861 per person, accounting for the $172 billion of annual expenditures in the U.S. based on data from 2011 through 2016 and reported in 2019 dollars. The direct health care cost of chronic disease associated with obesity and overweight was estimated to be $480.7 billion in 2016 in the United States, with an additional $1.24 trillion in indirect costs due to lost economic productivity. So, as you can see, something is not right. Something is seriously not right. The fact that it has increased that much. It's tripled from 1975 to 2016, and those rates have even gone up post-pandemic. And that children's obesity has increased more than fourfold. This is terrifying. And this is terrifying from the health side of things and the disease side of things. You know, we want people to be healthier and disease-free and also to prevent disease. So I just think that people need to start thinking about, okay, well, what is causing all of this? Like, could it be just that people aren't exercising or that people are eating too much food or could it be more than that? And that's what the obesogen hypothesis is. What are obesogens? According to a 2020 review published by the Endocrine Society, the obesogen hypothesis proposes that there are chemicals in our environment, termed obesogens, that can affect individual susceptibility to obesity and thus help explain the recent large increases in obesity. 
So basically, obesogens are metabolic disruptors that contribute to weight gain and obesity, which increases a person's risk of serious health problems by altering one's metabolism and promoting fat retention. They're found in many different places, including food additives. So in layman's terms, there are chemicals in our world and in our food system that disrupt people's metabolic health and can lead to obesity. And this large article that I will link in the show notes and that I have just read some excerpts from goes on to explain the importance of kind of avoiding these chemicals during pregnancy and during critical windows of development because Apparently, the more during those critical windows, the more one is exposed to those chemicals, the greater chance those individuals have for developing obesity later on in life, which is so wild. And obviously, there is a need to research this more, and I'm super glad that it's starting, but I think there's a lot of catching up that needs to be done. So let's go into some of those chemicals because I know my audience is all about reading labels and understanding chemicals. So the first one is benzenate, and that is a preservative used in acidic foods like fruit juice, carbonated drinks, and pickles. The next one is biphenyls, which are also known as BPA. I think everyone here has probably heard of BPA. It's found in a lot of food packaging containers and water bottles and metal food cans, and it also is in receipts, which is crazy. So stay away from receipts. The next one is 3-BHA. This is in antioxidant, actually, which is used to stop rancidity in oils and fatty foods, such as potato chips. Caffeine is another one that has obesogenic properties, which that one kind of weirds me out, but this is from a scientific article. The next one is diacetylsodium sulfosulconate, DSS. Really butchered that pronunciation there, but it's an emulsifier and wetting agent added to foods. Going down the list, we also have parabens, another one that pretty much everyone here is familiar with. They're used as preservatives, flavoring agents. They're also in a lot of makeup, moisturizers, personal care products. And the next one are PFAS, which I have a whole episode about PFAS with Leah Sejidi of Momovation. And we know that these chemicals, PFAS or forever chemicals, are highly dangerous. They're a group of more than 9,000 different chemicals used in hundreds of different products worldwide, most commonly in nonstick pans and waterproofing fabrics. So not cool. They're also an obesogen. Phthalates are another one on the list. They're a group of chemicals used primarily as plasticizers to increase the flexibility of plastic. Another good one to stay away from. That's also the one that Dr. Shauna Swan has focused her research on in regard to sperm counts. So that's a bad one to be around, especially when you're pregnant with a baby boy. And the last three on the list are propanoate, 
acid, again, excuse my pronunciation, chemicals are hard to pronounce. Like, I think that's, that's part of the mind fudgery. And then sorbian, monolirate, and sulfites. So high level, going through that list once more, it's obesogenic chemicals added to food are benzenates, BPA, 3-BHA, caffeine, DSS, MSG, parabens, PFAS, phthalates, propionate, sorbitin, moniolate, and sulfites. So do your best to avoid these chemicals to protect your metabolic health. And you can do so by reading labels, sticking to real whole foods, preferably organic foods as much as possible, switching your products to non-toxic products, going through your cleaning products and your personal care products because you can get exposures that way as well. And then also addressing the water that you're drinking. You know, I would aim for drinking filtered water. At the very least, get a high quality pitcher. I like the Therisage pitcher. That's a really great one. Or you could also do the Mountain Valley Spring subscription or get the bottles at the store. I personally do that. And I love it because it has all the minerals and delicious things. I don't know. It's water, but I'm water obsessed and Mountain Valley Spring is really my favorite water. I think they should sponsor me because they are the shiznits. Do you like all my like mock swear words today? I feel like I'm talking to a two-year-old. I'm super sorry. I just don't really swear on the show, I guess. So in summary, obesogens are chemicals that are linked with obesity. They are a hypothesis, just like everything in science is. And it is helping to explain the increase of obesity worldwide. Especially here in the U.S., it's growing at a rapid rate. It's, of course, growing at a rapid rate around the world. And we need to figure out, okay, but but why now? Like, why is it just escalating so quickly? And obesogens are really pointing science in that direction. And it's going to, I think, start blowing up in social media and hopefully the mainstream media, things like that, because we just can't go on because obesity leads to life-threatening illnesses. And if everyone became obese and then got all these life-threatening illnesses, like that would be a world we don't want to live in. So anything we can do to become aware and support our metabolic health, I think is going to benefit us in the long run. I know this is a heavy subject and I did my best to summarize a pretty much 40-page article that I read through recently, as well as a lot of other research that I've been following. This is something that I was first introduced to by Kelly Love of Branch Basics. She was on my podcast. I'll also link that episode. And it's just a conversation that needs to be had. And I'm here to talk about elephants in the room and to ultimately break down the barriers to entry when it comes to non-toxic living. I appreciate you for listening to this segment of the show, and we're going to now close with some question and answer. So again, make sure you're following along at Holistic with Heidi and at Lifelong underscore pod on Instagram to be sure that you don't miss the next opportunity to drop questions for a live Q&A. So with that, let's get into it. 
The first question is, do you have a recommendation for non-toxic period underwear? Okay, I love this question, and it's also something that a guest of mine asked me recently. That episode hasn't gone live yet, but stay tuned for that one. And I'm glad that people are asking this because there has been a lot of problems with period underwear in the last year or so, and that is with a lot of these period underwears, they have to be waterproof to you know, protect from menstrual blood leaking. So the most common way to waterproof fabrics is to use perfluorinated alkyls or PFAS chemicals, particularly fluorine, which, you know, waterproof the fabric and stop leakage. So unfortunately, a lot of brands have been exposed. You probably heard about the Thinks scandal. I think I talked about that in a previous episode as well. And the good news is there are awesome brands out there doing their due diligence, doing their research, figuring out ways to make it happen. And my trusted resource for all things PFAS and all things consumer health is Leah Sedgety of Momovation. She was on Lifelong. I will link that episode in the show notes too. She has a lot of awesome resources on her website and what she does is she has a lab that will test products for levels of different chemicals. In particular, she's been doing a lot with PFAS. So she's been testing a lot of different underwear and a lot of them unfortunately have a lot of PFAS, but she also has found ones that don't. And she has an incredible list, which I'll link in the show notes. But one of my favorites, which is also on the list, is called Livola. And these are made from organic cotton and they're tested PFAS free. So pretty much music to my ears. The next question is, what is your favorite non-toxic latex-free pillow? Okay, so I am team down pillow all day long. Also, people say say pillow weird, so maybe I do, maybe I don't. Let me know if I do. Like, send me a DM. I think it's I think it's a funny observation. One of my friends told me that once, and I'll never forget it. So, anyways, non-toxic pillow. I really don't like latex in a pillow, even though natural latex is fine in a mattress if it's organic and whatnot, but to me, in a pillow, it just feels like hot and weird. So I prefer ethically sourced down with an organic cotton outer layer. So what I've been loving, and these were actually a Christmas present for Joseph, my fiance and I, are Pacific Coast Feather organic down pillows. And they're basically a hotel pillow that is organic and non-toxic and really fantastic. I also have at my fiance's parents' house, at our bed there, we have the avocado pillows as well, the organic pillow. Both of those options will be linked in the show notes. Okay, question three. Back to PFAS. Love to see people talking about PFAS. Oh my gosh, you guys are on it. Forever chemicals. Let's get rid of them. Do you have a recommendation for a PFAS-free raincoat? Okay, also everyone is asking questions about products. This is awesome. I need to develop another guide. If you guys have a guide in mind that you want me to develop, let me know because I am due for 
designing and sharing another guide. Okay, so for a PFAS free raincoat, I will say that is another tricky one because most waterproofing chemicals quite literally come from the PFAS class of chemicals or forever chemicals. I do know that wax coatings are a non-toxic way to to waterproof. So I believe that Fajal Raven, excuse my pronunciation, that's a Swedish brand, which I am probably butchering, they do a really good job. They offer wax coatings on coats as a non-toxic way to prevent water. Also, I was reading that Prana went PFAS free. And as of this month, REI announced that they will finally be going PFAS free as well. I know people have been going against them and protesting for years to make them go PFAS free. And finally, finally they did it. So that's good news. So in summary, Fajal Raven, Prana, and look out for REI's new offerings coming soon. The last question I'm going to get to today is what is your skincare routine? Oh gosh, I haven't really been asked that one. So let me think about it. I'm a pretty simple gal, definitely a minimalist. I am not a 12-step girl. I think that's crazy for me personally. I do have acne-prone skin, a little bit sensitive there, and I obviously only want to use non-toxic products. So morning routine looks like this. As far as skincare, I got the Skinny Confidential Ice Roller for Christmas. I've been using that every single morning. After that, I use the Bounce Back Serum by Clear Stem. I just raved about that in my previous episode with them, episode number 38. And then I use the Clear Stem SPF slash primer. And I typically follow that with the 100% pure foundation. I know makeup is not skincare, but I just wanted to plug that product because that product is also amazing. And I don't use foundation every single day, but if I do, that's the foundation that I use. I also don't wash my face in the morning. That's just not my jam. And in the evening, I do wash my face and that process entails me using this Italian makeup remover. I can't tell you the name and it's also impossible to find because I got it in a little tiny shop in Florence and I, oh my gosh, I don't want to run out of it. It has organic tomatoes in it. Wild, but love it. And so what I do, I get my face wet and then I use a teeny little drop of this special Italian makeup remover and then I rub it around in my face And then I take two organic cotton rounds and put one on each side in each hand and I wipe the makeup off. After that, I take an organic washcloth and I get it wet, wipe my face a couple times, rinse out the cloth, and then I add some of the clear stem cleanser onto it. Just a tiny little dollop, probably half a dime or no bigger than a dime's amount. And then I wash my face with that, rinse out the cloth again, and then wipe my face once more. And then I finish with the Clear Stem Clarity. So it's super simple. It's really just my Italian makeup remover with the cotton rounds, then washing my face with an organic 
washcloth and the clear stem cleanser and then the clear stem clarity serum which helps prevent and heal acne i love these questions please make sure you're following along and never hesitate to participate in these q a's if you have questions that pop up between now and another q a know that my dms and my email are always open i love hearing from you all recently i talked on the phone with one of my listeners. We just really hit it off and she was so cool. So shout out to you, Rebecca. But yeah, love to connect with you all. Thank you all for being here and I'll see you all next week. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.